Today on the Almond Journey podcast. Water use efficiency is going to become and is the forefront of our concern and our need for innovation. So we're really focusing on that, how we can be more efficient with using the water sources that we currently have. Olam Farm Senior Director of Agronomy, Zach Ellis, joins the show. Welcome back to the Almond Journey podcast brought to you by the Almond Board of California. On this show, we discover how growers, handlers, and other stakeholders are making things work in their operations to drive the almond industry forward. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich, and I'm traveling up and down the valley, virtually in this case, to feature the leaders who are finding innovative ways to improve their operations, connect with their local communities, and advance the almond industry. Today's episode takes us to Fresno, where we visit with Olam Farms Senior Director of Agronomy, Zach Ellis. Zach's currently in his sixth season with Olam Farms, but he's been around almonds since he was a kid. In today's episode, Zach and I talk about the need to continue to push the envelope when it comes to water use efficiency in almonds, also what that looks like for Olam Farms, and his experience as a grower collaborator with a huge research effort that we're going to talk about called T-Rex. First, though, I asked Zach to tell us a little bit more about Olam as a company and their almond interests specifically. Yeah, Olam's a, a very large company, multinational, based out of Singapore. You know, a lot into the commodity trading and processing, but there's a few commodities that they've identified as, as being more valuable as you go upstream and as you get closer to actually producing them. And almonds is one of those, um, you know, large parts of their portfolio. So here in California, we have about 10, 11,000 acres of almonds. We have a few thousand acres of uh, pistachios as well, and just a small 300 acres of walnuts. So that's what we manage here. We actually produce and farm them ourselves, as opposed to contracting out like we do in the tomatoes and, and spices and division. So we're unique in that sense, but we, you know, we also collaborate with our counterparts in Australia. We have almost 40,000 acres in Australia. So we can really use that collaboration to do some research and development and get twice the amount of data churned out per year because of the differences in harvest time. So uh, it's a huge advantage for us to be able to do that, but having both continents and, and having a significant amount of acres on both, we're able to, to leverage our ability to uh, understand data in a more quick manner. Yeah. I mean, can you give an example? And obviously, I, if we're heading into anything proprietary, just stop me. But, you know, could you give an example of a problem that you're able to solve with that level of sort of iteration at that pace in the data sharing? Yeah. You know, I think one of the large lessons is, is obviously, obviously products and technologies, but uh, more specifically automation. You know, we've been able to collaborate and understand uh, how automation works. And, and Australia kind of spearheaded that. But you know that's a big one for us where we're able to learn from each other and, and avoid mistakes that were already made. And that's something that, that we, we try to do on a lot of different fronts, but it seems that automation is probably the most valuable at this point. Uh, that's great. You know, one of the things we say about this podcast is kind of like, it's how people are figuring it out on the orchard level. So whatever, whatever challenges come your way, sort of how you're figuring things out, you know, as you think of challenges that's facing your farming operation today, you know, what are the top ones that come to mind? You know, the biggest challenge is going to be water, not only water scarcity, but water quality. And, you know, with different regulatory programs coming into effect and, and obviously 
weather not really cooperating in terms of uh, rainfall and snowpack. We see that water use efficiency is going to become and is the forefront of our, our concern and our, our need for innovation. So we're really focusing on that, how we can be more efficient and how we can be more effective with using the water sources that we currently have. You know, other than that, I think understanding sustainability, trying to reduce energy usage, switch to, you know, different types of alternative energy and create an environment of not just a monoculture in the field, but, but some diversity, some biological diversity. We think that's a very important aspect as well that we're working on. Can you just talk about the the water situation as it's affecting your operations? Yeah, the water situation has been bleak. So we've obviously not gotten very much allocation, even in districts. You know, we've got, I think we're across six districts from Bakersfield up to Modesto. And even our best districts only got a couple of weeks of of runtime for surface water this year. So basically zero allocation. On top of that, you know, the wells, the water line has been dropping pretty effectively. And water quality is declining pretty significantly as well. So we're dealing with a water quality issue as well as several of our pumps, especially in the Northern California area, have completely run dry. And, uh, you know, this is kind of the first time I've seen that in my tenure here at Olin to see wells completely going dry. So it's very alarming and something that we take very seriously, but also from a regulatory standpoint, we don't have much latitude to do a whole lot about it other than be more efficient with what we have currently. So that's really the focus, just become as efficient as possible with the resources that we currently have. What are you seeing for, you know, as far as innovations in precision irrigation, how are you all looking at that and where do you see that technology going? Yeah, so the first part of our irrigation precision strategy comes with a very simple approach. It's something that people learn in grade school and you always hear it, but you never realize how important it is until you see it in practice, but it's simply spreading the water over the week more evenly. So our traditional applications of water in almonds are 24, 36, 48 hour irrigations. Here at Olam, we enacted a few years ago, a 12 hour irrigation maximum, and that you must wait at least 12 hours before you can apply another irrigation. And so what this has done is it's really increased the frequency and spread out the amount of water that we we apply over the week. We really try to avoid more than two days of a gap between irrigations. And uh, in doing that, you know, we've also been able to increase the amount of fertigation applications that we apply. So we're now spreading our fertility across the week a lot more effectively. And that's been a huge help to increasing water use efficiency. You know, the, the next thing is really monitoring plant water stress and kind of shifting away from soil water stress. And because of this strategy that we employ, this 12-hour maximum, we really don't have deep moisture in our soils. And once it starts to get hot and the deep so you know the deep soil moisture is used up by the plant, then we're really only irrigating the top 12 to 18 inches. And with that, we we can really look at and lean on dendrometer technology. Uh, which is a little bit more sensitive than stem water potential using a pressure bomb, but also a very uh, good indicator of application frequency and block priority. So we're using that type of technology. We're really monitoring the plant and only looking at soils post-harvest when we want to fill the profile and only really putting soil moisture probes one every two to 500 acres, depending on the irrigation set and the soil type. You know, it's been a, a big shift 
looking from soil moisture monitoring to plant moisture monitoring, but we've seen a huge success in doing that the last few years. Very interesting. Yeah, we, we did an episode with Sal Parr on, on dendrometers a little bit ago, maybe earlier this summer, and certainly seems to be fascinating and, and helpful technology as well. Yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, in terms of irrigation, the, the best, highest and best way of uh, being efficient is through automation. So it's something that we really are focusing on getting to eventually is, is automating all of our valves and our pumps so that we can irrigate with less human error. We can spread the water out easily and we can be more efficient with how we water, not only from evapotranspirative perspective, but also from an energy cost savings perspective. So we can avoid off-peak time use. We can participate in different demand response programs. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can generate savings or even money by uh, automating our, our irrigation. So that's a very important thing. And I think it's something that everyone should look at, whether you're a small grower or a larger grower, you know, irrigation automation will definitely pay for itself very, very easily. So some really practical advice from Zach there on spreading out watering, removing the human error through automation and using plant-based monitoring of moisture rather than just soil-based monitoring. So what's next? I mean, where are the next water efficiencies left to be achieved in almonds? That's the question many in the industry are still asking, and one of the reasons that Zach and Olam have agreed to be grower collaborators for the T-Rex project. The T-Rex project is part of the Almond Board's Irrigation Continuum of Research Projects, and it stands for Tree Crop Remote Sensing of Evapotranspiration Experiment. At its core, the project is trying to answer the really basic but complicated question of how do we track how much water each tree needs at a given time efficiently and affordably using remote sensing. This is really a multifaceted question that, of course, requires a cross-disciplinary research approach. Several researchers have collaborated, both from UC Davis and other universities as far away as Utah State, to answer these questions at various levels, from satellite down to the latest in drone and fixed-wing imagery, down to a flux tower located within the orchard itself. This is a major research effort to continue to be even more precise in water use efficiency. And Zach has always had a personal interest in science and research, so he was excited to get the chance to be involved in a project like this, focused on one of the biggest challenges in almond production. Yeah, so I, I got my master's degree in plant science at Fresno State, and I was lucky enough to already be interested in, in focusing on almond production, almond physiology, and was also lucky enough to have researchers and, and professors like Dr. Patrick Brown and, and David Dole and uh, Dr. Sharon Bennis from Fresno State on my committee. And, you know, we, we did a lot of really good research, but I, I learned at that point how important integrating some of this research in with growers and, and understanding some of the operational side so that the execution is done correctly. Um, so having that understanding and then getting into a more production agriculture role you know, I made it a priority to make sure that we as a company at Olam are opening our doors to collaborators like the UC and, and like the Almond Board of California to make sure that we have the best and brightest on our orchards solving some of the problems that we have in the field. 
And Olam has been a collaborator on a number of different projects, but this T-Rex project is a little bit different because of the amount of research that's all collaborating toward the same goal. Where an individual project may look at satellite imagery and water use or yield prediction and water use as examples, this project is bringing them all to the table together. We're really excited about the T-Rex project. You know, I think it, it really did come down to seeing all of these different projects operating in their own silo. And a lot of the questions that were being asked kind of overlapped, but because there was no collaboration, it was hard. There was no visibility and understanding what questions are being asked and, and how they're going about finding solutions. So I, I think we all noticed at one point, I'm not really sure when, that Olam is participating in quite a few trials, you know, so we're bringing a lot of these different silo trials together in the same orchards or the same ranches, at least. So with that, it made sense that if, if they're going to have a T-Rex project that brings several different disciplines and tries to answer some, some pretty big questions and, and some big problems that we have in the industry, like yield analysis, like irrigation scheduling and, and whatnot, that, you know, we would be a good candidate to do that based on our, our history with the UC system and, and the Alden board. And maybe kind of explain from your vantage point, you know, what has happened so far with the T-Rex project? Give us kind of an overview. Yeah. So we basically opened the doors and said, you guys can pick of all the acres that we have, you pick and see which is the best area for you to do this type of research. So that was the first step. And the first phase was just to understand what we had to offer in terms of variability, location, irrigation capabilities, varieties, all that different stuff. Once they narrowed down where they wanted to go, they installed all the uh, monitoring equipment, weather stations that are in the field, as well as did a, a ton of sampling prior to harvest. So you know, now that we have the, the location, we have all the infrastructure installed, and we've started to gather some of the data, that's when we're really going to be able to put some things together and make sense of, of all these different collaborative components that are being put together to answer some of the same questions. So it started at the beginning of this year, uh, once we identified the location and installed all the infrastructure, it was more just, you know, some remote monitoring that they're doing and some in-season sampling. And then right at harvest or right before our, our commercial harvest, they came and also took some harvest samples as well. So I know they've gathered quite a bit of data and you know, best and brightest in all those different fields are, are now crunching the data and trying to make heads or tails of how it can help you know, the questions that we're, we're posing as a whole. Yeah, it's a it's a massive undertaking. And, and I do one thing I love about the project is how collaborative it is for you. You know, given those those questions you mentioned earlier that were relevant for Olam's purposes, what question if you could pick one to get the answer from the project, you know, what would be most important to you? You know, the one that I think has a ton of value for, for not only myself, but the industry is understanding yield prediction a little bit better. And, you know, right now that you know, can really move the market as we've seen in the last few years. So having a better understanding of what yields are going to do prior to experiencing those, those yields would be very helpful from a management and, and agronomy standpoint. Can you expand on that as far as if we are able to more precisely and consistently predict yield at scale, and I think they're trying to do it on a tree-by-tree -tree basis, if I understand correctly, can you uh, irrigate and fertilize to that level of granularity? And if not today, is that something you think might be coming down the road in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, we would love to have the granularity to be able to affect 
a single tree, but just like you said, we don't currently have that level of effectiveness to manage what we're doing in the field. So it does go down to the closest or smallest irrigation set. And that could be anywhere from 20 to 80, 120 acres, depending on the ranch and the, and the block size. So we aren't able to get that granular, but it still is very valuable in understanding and projecting nutritional needs, irrigation needs, and how we can cut or be more efficient and effective with, with our inputs uh, by understanding what kind of yield potential we have. So anything from bees to fertility to irrigation to even pest control can all be more effectively forecasted and more efficiently applied if we, if we have yield prediction that's actually accurate enough for us to do on a block level. And what was kind of required from you and your team on the project? Now, you, you talked about kind of what they've done so far and in, in collecting samples and that sort of thing. How did you have to modify your normal operations to accommodate this particular research? You know, this one was pretty easy. You know, we just obviously had to give them unfeathered access to the location and make sure that they can install all their infrastructure, make sure that all the guys on the ranch know where it's at and aren't going to damage or, or tamper with it. A little bit of shaker usage for our commercial shakers at harvest. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty hands-off for us. We've, we've just given them full access to the ranch and they've done what they needed to do. So uh, it's been pretty innovative so far. And you've already kind of alluded to this a little bit, but maybe to dive in a little bit deeper, you know, working for a big organization, you know, like Olam, obviously you have a personal interest and passion in the research and the science of all this. If you were to have like a, a coworker or a boss say, well, like, yeah, that's good for you, but why is it good for Olam to, to do this sort of like collaboration with researcher thing? What would be kind of a response to that? You know, the biggest value proposition that doing this type of collaboration, in my opinion, is, is just the, the ability to bring different areas of expertise into the field and get different perspectives on very similar problems. And when we find that, we're able to actually collaborate and not stay in these silos and these buckets that we normally do, really you know, coexist into these problems. We find that these different perspectives bring a whole new set of solutions so I think that really, for us, makes it worthwhile and, and we see the value in that right away. Just curious for you, you know, if you were going to go on and get your PhD, where would you choose to focus? What's the niche within all this stuff that you're most interested in? You know, what really interests me are carbohydrate dynamics in perennial crops, you know, in almonds, walnuts, and pistachios. We work with Dr. Zwecki over at the uh, Carbohydrate Observatory at UC Davis. And the work that he's doing is so interesting and, and seems to be very effective in terms of understanding and predicting the phenology of the crop and the physiology of the crop and how that will affect yield. So it's something that I would love to uh, learn more. And I think if, if I were to go back to school, that would be what I would focus on. Yeah, I've seen some of his slides where, I mean, isn't it where in the winter time, based on carbohydrate levels, he's correlating that with yields? Correct. Yeah. Wintertime and even in the spring or in uh, late winter, you know, February time, you can look at carbohydrates, different types of non-structural carbohydrates and predict, you know, different things bloom. There's yield prediction implications as well. And I know he's a part of, of the T-Rex project, I believe in some, some fashion. So, you know, I think that type of data is, is really useful understanding that the currency that the plant is using to produce yield 
you know, normally we're looking at all these different nutritional levels, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, but understanding, you know, what proportions those need to be in to be of highest and best use is difficult. So to have the, you know, the final currency and understand where you are going into the season is going to be very useful for a grower. Of all the projects you've been a part of, have you been a part of one that's this sort of collaborative and cross-disciplinary as this irrigation continuum, this T-Rex project? No, this is a first of its kind. I, I haven't come across anything this collaborative. It's really exciting because we're able to finally meld all of these different technologies and things that we really do find useful in a new way and create a new method of looking at production agriculture that's in a very innovative and sustainable way. Well, T-Rex is certainly an exciting undertaking for the future of water use efficiency and how we understand the needs of an orchard down to that individual tree level. The output of all of this, hopefully, will be a model that will be accessible to almond growers in order for them to understand what's happening in their individual orchards as inexpensively as possible. Stay tuned for more updates on the results of this research, and thank you to Zach for sharing his experiences with us on the podcast. And while the research surrounding the T-Rex project continues, there are also other efforts underway to help growers that want to continue to improve their water use efficiency. And that's going to be the focus of today's ABC Update. Today's episode was all about striving to unlock the next level of water use efficiency. But what should not be overlooked, says Tom Duvall, is how much progress has already been made in this area to date. Tom is the Senior Manager for Field Outreach and Education at the Almond Board. Growers have been amazing with adopting new technologies to be as efficient as they can be with water use. Now we're kind of moving into a next level. They've done such improvements in efficiency. We're really looking at making sure all those technologies are using and new techniques to delivering water run as efficiently as possible, that they're maintained well. So it's kind of a new focus area for us over the last couple of years, making sure they're getting the most out of the technologies they're using. And as initiatives such as the T-Rex project are underway to that end, there are also tools being developed that growers can use more in the near term, including a new slide rule calculator. So we developed and we just got them printed these slide rule calculators, which used to be really common in the irrigation space. I don't think I've seen a new one for 10, 15 years. And so we developed one that helps a grower understand what their application rate is, what their runtime should be to irrigate that. If they're doing any deficit irrigation, how to calculate that. And then on the flip side of the calculator, We've done a series of calculations around the impacts of poor uniformity in the field. So a grower can see that if their system's running at a 0.80 efficiency, how much money that actually means to them and additional water they have to apply, um, what their fertilizer cost is, additional pumping costs to overcome that poor uniformity. And we're really hoping that this tool is something that a grower can do kind of what if scenarios on well, I'm here now for my test. Where would I be if I improved my uniformity? And I'm really excited to get in the hands of growers. We'll be sending these out to growers soon in the coming months. These slide rule calculators will be sent out in a mass mailing along with a future issue of the How We Grow publication. But if you want one ahead of time, just send an email to fieldoutreach at almondboard.com and they'll get one sent to you. 
As Tom mentioned, most growers are already going to great lengths to be as efficient as possible with water resources. But he says tiny improvements from here can really add up. Look at your leaks. That's my plug for now. We have systems out there running. It's hard to keep up on maintenance, but little leaks do add up. And yes, they're recharging the, the aquifer. That's good, but they're not being necessarily put to beneficial use. So I would really focus on if you have leaks at the filter station or, or broken valves, things like that, focus on those. They're worthwhile. Thanks to Tom Duvall for providing today's ABC update. You can always reach out to the field outreach team with any other questions about water use efficiency, and you can also see them in person at the Almond Conference, which returns to Sacramento December 7th through 9th. It will be back in person at the newly renovated Safe Credit Union Convention Center. This year's theme, Rooted in Success, focuses on the foundation of our industry's growth, strategic market development, innovative research, and accelerated adoption of industry best practices. So go immediately right now to almonds.com forward slash conference and register yourself and anyone else who wants to attend. Book your hotels and stay up to date on the latest Almond Conference information. You'll be able to see Tom there and several other people that have been on this podcast. So we look forward to seeing you at the Almond Conference. We believe everyone in the almond industry has a story of their own of how they're making things work on their farms or in their jobs. Hearing the voices of industry leaders like Zach Ellis may have sparked a connection or an idea that you can use in your own journey. And that's why we want to feature these stories of innovation, resilience, and community here on this podcast. I hope you'll come along for the ride by subscribing to this show on your podcast platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And please pass the show along to others in the industry so we can all share in this almond journey together.